0: Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. We stand to our feet and just give God just a big hand of praise today. Just thank him. Come on. He's in the miracle working business. Isn't that great? Awesome. 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 Father, thank you so much for today, God. We thank you that we just get the opportunity to spread liberty, freedom uh, to people way beyond our touch, God, way beyond where we are right now, God. We're, we're doing it through technology and we're going to do it through the short Greek Uh, community in Colorado. Father, we're going to do it through our new Lake Norman permanent site, God. All that you have for us, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the lives that are being changed. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. In Jesus' name. Touch three three people before you sit down and say, you look like you could use a little freedom today. Come on, (laughs) look at them. You could use a little freedom today. Well, hey, my name is Troy Maxwell, and uh, my wife and I are the senior pastors here, and what a great day to be in church. What a great day. I'm so glad you came today. We also want to welcome all of our live streamers from all over the world. Thank you guys for joining with us as well. We've got North Carolina, Georgia, New York, Florida, Texas, Alabama, California, Illinois, uh, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania. I can barely see it, but uh, you guys are doing it. Church, can we give them a big hand for joining us today? So glad you can make it. What an incredible story. You know, I met Jason um, at my gym. You can look at him and tell. Uh, if you know anything about the Greer family, his, his, uh, his nephew is going to be in the NFL. He's probably going to be one of the top draft picks. He was a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate as well. Um, his family is, is very, very involved and very well recognized, and, you know, it was crazy on that Monday. You know, I, I knew Jason. We had met many times. I don't tell a lot of people in my gym that I work out with that I'm a pastor, but he saw a commercial that I was in and came in one day, and he goes, you're a preacher. You never told me you were a preacher. And from that point forward, I was preacher. It wasn't Troy no more, I was preacher. I'm surprised he didn't say that on the video. And uh, that Monday, when he was talking about he called me, I saw this number. I don't usually answer those block calls, especially on my day off. But for some reason, I did answer his phone call, and he said, I need some help. Um, I don't know who to turn to. And, he, you know, he's like 6'2", 6'3", big old fella, and he's just bawling. And so we just, as a church, embraced them and saw God do something tremendous. You know, when you think about what we're doing with Liberty Listen, we're not just renovating a building, guys. We're renovating lives, and that's what it's all about. We're fixing lives up, and we're seeing God do some tremendous things. And just in a few minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to write in one of these toolboxes as we pass them to be a part of history, to be a part of something really special as we're generous as a church. You're a generous church, but we're going to do something special today. Matter of fact, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had God ask you to do something absurd, like crazy, I'm talking out of the ordinary. I mean, the word absurd is just kind of a weird word. Um, I've had God ask him, or maybe you've seen somebody do something a little inappropriate. That's what absurd means. It means to be inappropriate. It means to be wildly unreasonable. It means to be illogical. Have you ever watched somebody do something? You go, man, that is just way, way off base. I remember the first time God asked Penny and I to be extravagant in our generosity. He asked us to give a car away. Now, I don't know if you've ever had God ask you to do something like that. The first thing that comes out of your mind or your your mouth is, get behind me, Satan, because there's just no way that that can be God. This was about two or three years into our church plant. We didn't have any money. We were living paycheck to paycheck. I was working a full-time job, doing full-time ministry, and it was really, really difficult. And God says, I want you to give big. Now, I, I know that he knew something that I didn't know and so he actually did it a second time about five years into our church asked us to give another car away and then he really got crazy with us and he asked us to clean out our entire retirement account now you know when God asks you to do something like that you spend some time in prayer you know when my wife said that to me I said get behind me I said to her like get behind me Satan (laughs) put, put my hands on her said come out many times you know, because that's what you do. I mean, that's pretty normal at the Maxwell House. But anyway, <laughs> absurd. You know, I think about generosity overall. Think, uh, it's just crazy to think that God would ask us for something. That's just absurd. I mean, wrap your mind. As I was thinking about this today, wrap your mind around the thought that God, who owns everything, who created everything. I mean, the Bible tells us he put the stars into the sky one by one. The Bible tells us, if you believe it or not, that that the universe is the width of his hand. So he's a pretty big guy, pretty big God. He created hippopotamuses, giraffes, beetles, flies, mosquitoes. I mean, there has to be some redemptive purpose to some of those. I mean, obviously, he formed us Out of the dust, he breathed life into us, but yet he comes to his created beings and asks us to be generous. He doesn't ask anything else to be generous, just us. It's kind of absurd to think that a God who has everything, I mean, the streets in heaven are paved with pure gold. Hello? My streets are not paved with gold. They have potholes all around the, the, the gates are one pearl all by themselves, the, the walls around the new heaven that we'll experience uh, later on in, in eternity are made of different diamonds and, and different jewels, all, some of which we don't even know what they are, but that's the God who comes to us. I mean, it's just absurd. I think God knows something we don't know when it comes to our generosity. I think he's trying to do something, not just to us, but in us when he comes and he asks us for something because he definitely doesn't need it, right? It's not that he needs it. Obviously, there's something that he does in us that's important for us. So I want to take you to a story today of a girl who did something absurd, you know the story if you've been around any amount of time. You probably sang about her. You, you, you've read books about her. This story shows up in every single one of the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is very odd, by the way, because not many of them, not many of the stories around Jesus show up in every single Gospel. And so it's about Jesus. He's in this house. And let me just read the verse to you, and then we'll dig into this. John chapter 12, verse 3 it says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil. Everybody say, very costly. One more time, say very costly. Very very expensive oil of spikenard anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. She must have had some long hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, this is what he said. He said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, now this is important because This is what what thieves say. They don't really care about the money. And this is what happens many times in church. The ones that are the most critical are the ones that don't give anything anyway. They're the ones that ask all the questions. Why does the church always ask for money? Or why do they talk about tithing all the time? They're stealing money anyway, so it doesn't really make any difference. He's got this box. It says, this he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box. Everybody say money box. Now, I want you to get this picture because she's got a box that's filled with this oil that's very costly, this perfume. He's also got a box. One box is for life change. One box is for life gain. One of them is going to be poured out on Jesus. One of them, money comes in, and then Judas puts it right in his pocket. He used to take the money that was put in it, but Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Now, let's just get this story straight. Let's understand what's happening. So Jesus is get, gets invited to this guy's house. All, of the, all four Gospels kind of demonstrate this same kind of story. He gets invited to this guy's house. This is towards the end of Jesus' life. He knows he's getting ready to go to the cross. Not everybody else knows that he's getting ready to go to the cross. He knows it, and he's pretty much famous right now. I mean, he's like, he's like an A-list celebrity. Everybody wants to get a shot with him. Selfies with Jesus. I mean, everybody wants him. He's on the news. He's on the front page of the Jerusalem Times. I mean, miracles. He walked on water. He opened blinded eyes. And so this guy named Simon invites him to his house. Simon happens to have a disease called leprosy, called leprosy. And his house is packed out. I mean, this place is jammed full of people. Because everybody wants to see Jesus. Could we get a picture with him? Maybe he's going to do a miracle. Maybe he's going to heal the guy with leprosy. You know, he is missing a hand already. Maybe he's going to have a hand grow out. I don't know. Maybe something cool's going to happen. So everybody's kind of anticipating when all of a sudden this woman breaks in to the house. She kind of forces her way in and interrupts this dinner party. Imagine... You're at home this evening. You're having dinner with your family. There's a celebrity over there. And then this woman just walks in your house. You would probably shoot her. Jesus didn't. But he, this is what happens. This is crazy. She just walks in. And not to mention, she's not just any woman. She is the prostitute of the town. So everybody knew her. And they're thinking, and I'm Sir Simon who invited her, the host of the party. is like, what is she doing here? Matter of fact, he even kind of thinks that. And Jesus rebukes him for thinking that, which kind of is a cool miracle anyway. And so she walks in and she has this pound, this this oil in her hand that we'll later see is worth a year's wages. And she drops down. And so the center of attention is now not on Jesus, but on this woman who is giving this extravagant this absurd gift that everybody is wondering what in the world is going on, while Judas is standing over here going, "Man, I could use that cash." I wonder why she's wasting all that, because she doesn't even understand what. He doesn't even understand what generosity is. Has no idea what what's going on. Has no idea that this woman is basically. Sharing with us and everybody around her how important this man is and who he is. That he can do something that's even deeper than the external miracles they have seen. But the internal change that happens in a human being. And so she falls down at his feet. She pours out this oil. She cries and weeps. And she teaches us something about generosity. She teaches us about absurd generosity. So, I want to go through just a couple things and just kind of help you before we receive this offering. First of all, generous people are always growing. They're always growing. I watch uh, on Sunday afternoons what preachers do is we typically go home and watch violent movies. Ask any pastor, that's what he does. You know, we have all these people that come, a lot of them get on our nerves then we go home and we like to see other people kill people and it's awesome we're living vicariously through the characters on television no offense no offense you're supposed to say none taken that's what you're supposed to say none taken okay cuz not you guys i love you and i go home and watch you know frozen on sunday afternoons <laughs> but this particular sunday i was preaching in another church and so i came home and, and I was watching Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx, and Tom Cruise is a hit man who shows up in Vegas, I mean, I'm sorry, in, in Los Angeles, and he's, he has these guys he's supposed to kill because he's on assignment, and so he gets in this guy's cab who happens to be Jamie Foxx. And he starts this conversation. Jamie has absolutely no idea that he's going to be his taxi driver while he goes around and kills people. But he starts this conversation with him and he goes, how long you've been driving a taxi? And he says something like 15 or 20 years. He goes, but that's not what I want to do. I want to have a limo company. And I started thinking about this in relation to growing people. See, if you're greedy, you oftentimes get stuck right where you are. He didn't want to be a taxi driver, but he'd been doing it for 20 years. He had a dream of doing something different. See, generosity opens doors that people can close. But God opens things through generosity. It opens opportunities for us. This woman, let me just tell you about this woman. This woman had been following Jesus for a long time. Actually, her name is Mary Magdalene. She, the first time she met Jesus, she had seven demons. Come on, that's a lot. You probably go to work tomorrow. There's probably somebody in your office that's got seven demons, maybe eight or nine. They might be sitting beside. Don't point out. Sitting beside you right now. She's got seven demons. Jesus delivers her. Then she shows up at Simon's house and God forgives her. Obviously, she's dealing with some stuff with regards to her prostitution and what she's been through and Jesus forgives her. And then the Bible says that she follows Jesus around, supports his ministry, and sits at his feet. Anybody that sat at a teacher's feet became their pupil. So she grew. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. Notice what he says, since you excel in so many ways. He said, since you're growing in so many ways, in your faith, in your communication, in your knowledge, in your excitement and enthusiasm, in your love from us, I want you to make sure you don't quit growing in this one thing, and that's the gracious act of giving, because generosity opens up an overflow for you. Generosity will make sure that you don't get stuck, and here's the great thing about Generosity. Generous people want other people to get unstuck. They really do. That's why they're generous is because they want to help someone reach their potential. Here's the second thing we can learn from her is generous people are contagious. Contagious. You ever hugged anybody and they just smell real good and you're like, "Man, you smell good." A little awkward. Especially if it's two guys, like, and they hug each other, you know, like, you know, they give them the pat on the back and they're like, man, and you don't know if you should say it to them or not because it might be a little weird. Man, you really smell good. Like, that's really good smell. I was playing golf the other day and I came around this corner and I've been playing this course for a few times. And every time I come around this corner, I get this just really sweet smell. It smells really good. And so the other day, I got out of my golf cart because I knew it wasn't the guy I was playing with. He stunk. But I I got out of the golf cart, and I went around to every tree. And I just started smelling every tree because I wanted to figure out which tree smelled so good so I could plant it in my backyard. Look, look. Generous people rub off on you. Listen to what happened with this lady. She walks into the house. She took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. You could not deny that something significant was happening in that person's house. I can imagine that people on the street were walking by going, man, that smells good. What in the world is going on in there? And when you become generous, church, when you decide to be generous, people are going to be walking by you and they go, man, something about you is different. What What is that cologne you're wearing? You say, I'm generous. It's called generous perfume. It's made by Jesus, and, and if, you, if you just are generous, then, then you'll be, and obviously I'm not talking about your smell. I'm talking about your influence. I'm talking about the influence of your home. You will become contagious to those around you, just like this woman, because it's absurd to think that God would even ask of us something. Here's the, the third thing that we can learn, is that generous people are sacrificial, they're sacrificial. I think this is really really crazy when you think about it. A year's worth of wages. Imagine just for a second that God asked you for a year's worth of wages. Today. Come on, don't don't look at me like that. Cuz you know, you'd be like get behind me Satan. You know you do exactly the same thing that I did. I looked up the average wage in Charlotte, the average year wage is $54,800. What if God asked you to write a check for $54,800? You'd be like, can I make installments? Dollar a week, can I do something like that, God? For the next 54,800 days? I mean, what what can I do to process this? This woman, and this may seem a little inappropriate to talk about in church, was a prostitute. That's how she, she sold her body to make money. She's got a year's... Worth of wages invested in this perfume. Now, we don't know how long it took her to save up. It could have taken her five years, ten years. But what I want you to do is just wrap your mind around the the reality that, that she has taken something that's worth a year of her life. A year of prostitution. Imagine that sacrifice. That's sacrifice. When I thought about this idea of sacrifice, I couldn't help but think about Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel. Saul, David, David's son was Solomon. And one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Okay, now think about this for a second. What if tonight you woke up? 3 a.m., you looked over, and God is sitting next to your bed. He's got his iPad out, Apple Pencil, because they use Mac products up in heaven. (laughs) Sorry, Windows. And so he's sitting there. He's got his glasses on, and he's just kind of normal. God's just chilling. You look over and go, God, what, what are you doing here? And he goes, I just was in the neighborhood and thought I'd ask you, what do you want? What would your answer be? What would your response be to God? If he I mean think about it. This is the he can make anything happen. You probably wouldn't answer right away. I hope. You know, you probably would think about this for a little while. Now we know Solomon, we know what he asked for, right? He asked for wisdom. Now why was it? Now here's the thing that I want you to think about in regards to generous people being sacrificial. Why was it that God could come and ask him this question? Because this requires a lot of trust, doesn't it? This is why God has never showed up at your bedroom at 3 a.m. and asked you, what do you want? All of us, because we, we have a hard time being like Solomon. Matter of fact, whenever a Whenever I talk about sacrifice, whenever a pastor talks about sacrifice in church, people get all nervous about it. They like the blessing part and the favor part and what God can do for me, but when it comes to us, doing something is when we get a little nervous. Generosity can make people uncomfortable. Everybody in that house was very uncomfortable when a prostitute was washing Jesus' feet with her hair. You can imagine that it was a little bit tense in that room at that moment. Are you following what I'm talking about? A little bit awkward in that moment. God shows up to Solomon and says, "I'll give you whatever you want." What a question of trust. Why is it that God could trust Solomon? Well, you have to go to the verse before verse five. Verse four says, "He went to Gibeon, so the king went there and sacrificed. How many burnt offerings? How many did he have to offer? One, but he decided to give a 1,000. What is sacrifice? Sacrifice means something to you. A person that's sacrificial, you can feel it. You know, there's three kinds of offerings. There's the tithe, the offering, and the painful offering. The third one is is the sacrifice, the one that hurts a little bit. I believe it this way. I believe that generosity, that's sacrificial... It means something to you, and when it means something to you, it means something to God. When we give sacrificially, it actually causes heaven to stand up, and it's exactly what happened with Solomon when he was sacrificial. It was exactly what happened with this woman, and why Jesus didn't stop her from doing what she was doing is because it was a sacrificial offering. It was a sacrificial act of generosity, and when you give extravagantly, you can request extravagantly from God. Hello. When, when you sacrifice extravagantly to God, then God will sacrifice extravagantly for you. It's exactly what he would, he responds with trust to those that are sacrificial. Are you following me, church? Come on, wave at me if you're following me. Okay, six of you. All right, thanks mom for being here. Here's the fourth thing. Generous people are able to see. They're able to see. They just see differently. They look differently. Look at Proverbs 22. It says, for he who has a generous eye will be blessed. A generous eye. We talk a lot about a generous heart. We talk a lot about a generous attitude. We talk a lot about a generous life. But not often do we talk about a generous eye. What is a generous eye? A generous eye sees past What's right in front of them? A generous eye sees potential. Uh, li- listen, th- there's two ways you can, you can look at any obstacle, any, any problem, any challenge, any circumstance. You can see it as an obstacle or you can see it as an opportunity. A generous person always sees challenges and circumstances and problems and tragedies not as obstacles, but as always opportunities. They see people as opportunities. They see situations as opportunities. For example, people saw, people saw a fisherman. Jesus saw Peter, who would eventually lead the New Testament church. People saw a tax collector. Jesus saw a guy by the name of Matthew who would write the first book, in the, new, in, in, the, uh, in the first gospel in the New Testament. People saw a small, small boy's lunch, five biscuits and a couple pieces of fish. Jesus saw enough to feed 5,000 and have leftovers. That's what a generous eye sees. A generous eye always sees beyond, always sees through people, always sees the potential in people, always sees differently. People saw a prostitute walk in. Jesus saw a woman who had hope and healing and forgiveness all over her. That's what a generous eye sees. And so, so you can look at things two different ways. And so I want to have a generous eye. I desire to see things from a generous standpoint. I want to look at potential. Look at people's future. And that's what we get to do today. Today. That's exactly what we get to do today. When you ride by that Lake Norman campus, and some of you may have ridden by there, some of you may not even walk in there ever. But man, I see potential. I see Jasons that need a miracle in their life. I see single moms that need help. I see, I see families that, that can get reunited with God. Their families can be reunited with Jesus. I see marriages being healed. I see, I see divorce being broken off of people's lives. I see people come out of financial bondage. And when you have a generous eye, man, that's how you see things. You see it as a tool. Here's the, here's the last thing that I want to tell you is generous people are eternity-minded. They are eternity-minded. Listen to what Jesus said about this woman. She said, I tell you the truth, wherever good news is preached, wherever the gospel's preached, and by the way, the gospel is good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. It's a positive news flash. It's preached throughout the world. This woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And we are proving that point even today because here's how it works. Listen, generosity writes us into the gospel. Greed leaves us out. But generosity writes you into the gospel. So here, here's what's going to happen. I can't prove this theologically, but let me just tell you what I think is going to happen when we get to heaven. When you and I go to heaven, we're going to stop at a station. It's called a judgment seat, and there's going to be an angel sitting there. And he's got this huge book, probably a big old ghetto angel, gold chains and everything. <laughs> I'm just, just, as the Maxwell version, okay? I can't prove this theologically, so don't send me any emails. I'm just kind of giving you what I think. He's going to have this huge book. That he's going to open up. He's going to say, all right, what's your name? State your name. State your full name. Troy Allen Maxwell. He's going to flip through real quick. He's probably going to have multiple hands, you know, because he's that kind of an angel because he can do it really quickly. And he's going to flip to the M's. He's going to scroll down. Oh, I see your name right there. All right, you get to go to the next station. Go down there. Follow down the hallway. Bathroom's on the left if you need to go before you get there. So when you get over there, you'll see another angel. The next angel that we come into contact with is called the Bama Seat. It's going to be a judgment seat, and he's going to have another book in front of him, and he's going to say, please state your name. I'm going to say Troy Allen Maxwell, and he's going to flip, 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 flip. He's, going to, he, he's probably not going to be as ghettoed out as the other guy because you made it past him. That guy needs to make sure nobody gets past him, so this has got to be normal angel flipping through the book, and there's going to be my name again. However, this time, there's going to be a big set of parentheses around it. And in the parentheses are all the gifts that God gave me. All the talents he gave me. All the resources that he gave me. And then, boom, as soon as he sees that, there's going to be a screen that's going to go up. And it's going to be the life story of Troy Allen Maxwell. And I'm going to be judged not for my mistakes or my sin because that was already dealt with in the first book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus died for my sin. He forgave me. I don't have to deal with my sin anymore. I get to walk right into heaven, not because of my works, not because of what I did, not because of my action. But this book, however, is going to be determining my reward while I spend eternity in heaven. And he's going to look at all of my gifts and all of my talents, and he's going to basically share with me, with this video, what I did with what he gave me. See, the American dream says, get as much as you can. Get it all. The kingdom dream, however, says, give it all. That's the kingdom dream. And when you think about our generosity, I just want you to think about this. When you give today absurdly, when you give extravagant like this woman, you are now written into the gospel of God. You are written into the story of people because God absurdly has asked you for something because he wants to include you in a story called the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, well hold on. I thought that's what the Bible was. Yeah, but that, there's, no, there's no period at the end of that sentence. Look, at this this story is keeping going. And there are Jasons that need our generosity. There are Mary Logans that need our generosity. There are families that need our generosity. There are women who have been caught up in polygamy that need our generosity. And It's so great that we get to read Think think about this, think about this, think about this. Of all the people in the Bible that were written into the gospel because of their generosity. I think of the guy who who, um, Jesus asked, he said, hey, go into town And get a donkey and a little donkey. Now, Jesus could have at any moment just gone, little donkey, big donkey. He could have, I mean, he's he's God. Like, he could have just, he could have went, chariot, 777 jet. I mean, he could have done anything. He's getting ready to go into town. He's getting ready to die for us. He's getting ready to, to end his life for the sake of mankind. And he tells one of his disciples, go into town and ask this guy for a donkey and a little donkey. So he goes into town and he gets a little donkey and a big donkey. Maybe a mama donkey and a little baby donkey. He unties them. Because generosity always unties you from your past. It always lets you loose. It always releases you. And he brings the little donkey and the big donkey. And the Bible says that Jesus... Now, Jesus could have done it any other way. But he decided to ask someone to give in order for him to ride. Because Jesus always comes to town on the back of generosity. He always does. And listen, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the big donkey and the little donkey and Jesus riding right into Charlotte every weekend through Lake Norman campus, through, through what we're doing at Central, but through what we're doing at our, our, our South End campus, for what we're going to do at the other campuses that we're going to build around this city. Let us be the ones that get be written into that story. The Bible says he rode those donkeys into town, and the whole city celebrated as Jesus is coming into town. Listen, every weekend we have an opportunity to celebrate what Jesus is doing. I want to be generous. So here's what Paul said, and I'm done. He said, tell them to use their money to do good. I'm telling, hey, use your money to do good. That you should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And here's, when you do this, by doing this, you will be storing up the treasure as a good foundation for the future. So I want to close today by just inviting you into the story that's being written every day. Through your generosity, I'm going to challenge you to go extravagant, to go absurd with your giving today so we can watch God move tremendously and bring liberty and freedom to other people. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to give today. Thank you that we get to do this. I know we say that all the time, God, but we really mean it. That whenever we're presented with these opportunities, Father, we'll step up to the plate. Matter of fact, God, I don't believe you would even ask us to do it if you didn't think we could handle it, if you couldn't trust this church with this. If you couldn't trust these people with this, there's no reason why you should even ask us for anything. But obviously, you want to do something in us today. So, Father, I thank you that as we give, as we are generous, as we are absurdly generous, as we sacrifice as a church, that you would move supernaturally in our city, that you would move supernaturally in Colorado City, that you would do something significant in our lives. Jesus name every head bowed every eye closed before we received this offering I couldn't help but think of how generous God has to been to us and 2,000 years ago he sent his son to die for us we didn't deserve it we didn't even treat him right maybe you've even been a little angry with God a little upset with God maybe you haven't even treated God right maybe you've never even been generous in your life but you know that doesn't even matter because God has been generous to you and today, whether you're watching online, or you're sitting in this room, or just within the sound of my voice, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, if you want to start brand new, start a, a brand new life today, maybe you knew Jesus at one time, maybe you knew God at one time, but, but you, you, you fell away, and you know your life is not pleasing to God, and you're ready, you're ready to make that decision. I want to pray with you before we receive this offering. Let's receive the generosity God has for us. I'm gonna count to three. If you say, number one, I wanna give my life to Jesus for the first time, or number two, I wanna rededicate my life, I want to recommit my life, I just want you to raise your hand because I want to know who I'm praying for. So when I count to three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three, just raise your hand. You say that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the room. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Online, just tell somebody in the chat bar what you did. Church, would you pray this prayer? Those of you that raised your hand, pray this prayer out loud so you can hear it with your own ears. Say it loud enough so you can hear it. Church, join with them as they make this declaration. Say, Heavenly Father, come everybody together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my mistakes and all my sins. Today, I give my life to you, God. I will worship you and I'll follow you all the days of my life, in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. Come on, can we either give them a big hand? Incredible, incredible. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.